Hey, y'all. Welcome to the How to Pretend to Like Sports podcast. I'm Monica Woodhams, and each week I'm bringing on guests to break down what you need to know when it comes to sports. Think of this as your Cliff Notes version to what's going on. So the next time you find yourself staring at the football game at the bar, you'll at least kind of know what's going on. Hey y'all, so I am back today with Taylor and Ethan of the Capital Couple. This time we are not recording in person. Um, some of y'all might be glad about that because the audio last time. Um, y'all, this is the first time I ever got kind of like hate email from a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that just means we've made it. Well, um, well yeah, the, the wine bar at the Whole Foods, maybe not the best place for a live podcast. <laughs> Noted. No, note to self. What yes. did the hate email say? Was it from all the Ohio State fans we were mean to? <laughs> no, I so wish. It was like from random dudes too. It was like, um, like I understand where you're going with this, but I just don't think it's executed well enough for me to continue listening. What jerk? <laughs> and I was like, you're not my audience. Man, well, we learned we will bring the alcohol <laughs> to the quiet room rather than going to the alcohol next time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so y'all are back home. Where did y'all drive to? Are y'all we, visiting Taylor's family or Ethan's family? We are, we are coming to you live from Meredith Valley, Tennessee right now. Amazing. Uh, we're back here. We just picked up some breakfast. I've Which... got gravy biscuits and sweet tea for breakfast as uh one is want to do in Tennessee. And if you didn't know, Meredith Valley is Ethan's family farm because he his last name is Meredith, Ethan Meredith. So amazing. So it's Ethan's yes. family for now. <laughs> amazing. That is the best kind of breakfast. You're oh, you're allowed to be late because of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's those cheddar rounds. Oh my gosh. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> okay, so today we're gonna dive into you know, the current events of what's going on right now. And one of those things is college football may be wrapping up, but there's a lot of talk about the college football playoffs. So Ethan, why don't you break down for us real quick what the kind of playoffs picture looks like right now and what we need to know about in college football. All right, so college football playoff semifinals will be starting uh, next Saturday, December 29th. And we have four teams in there. In the Cotton Bowl, we have number two Clemson versus number three Notre Dame. Go Tigers. Two undefeated, Clash of the Titans. Uh, in the other, we will be having the Orange Bowl between uh, Alabama, number one overall seed, no surprise there, and number four Oklahoma, which uh, – Kind of since the last time that we had this podcast, uh, the big update is that Oklahoma did get into the playoffs over Georgia, Ohio State, and Central Florida, teams of note there. But uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, I think both of these are going to be great games. Clemson-Notre Dame is going to be probably the game that I'm most excited to see uh, because we got two undefeated teams there. And I mean, if not for Alabama, I mean... It's a perfect example of why the playoffs are so important these days because under the old system, one of those two teams would have been left out of this and both have a legitimate claim for the best team in the country. But now we get to have this almost, you know, play-in championship game before the winner goes on to play the, I'll go ahead and say likely winner, Alabama over Oklahoma. 
Right. And by excited to watch, you mean excited to wear the Clemson polo I bought you and Tigers <laughs> the entire time. Of, of course, honey. That's exactly what I mean because now that the Tennessee Vols are out of the out of the uh, college football contention, uh, I've kind of turned in my wider Tennessee orange for the Clemson orange. It's fair. It's your it's your duty. So <laughs> exactly, he's, he's well trained. And you're lucky that it gets to be such a good team, right? Yeah, yeah I'm I'm really spoiled, especially this year. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk later about college basketball, but. You know, Tennessee's doing really well there. So I'm more than happy to, uh, you know, rep my uh, college football in-laws, if you will, uh, with the Clemson Tigers and, uh, you know, bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever lucky guy ends up with me is going to be stuck with purple. <laughs> well, hey, you all, you all have the, uh, the uh, you know, famous Cheez-It Bowl this year. We do, and I'm going to be eating a lot of Cheez-Its. Which so funny. If y'all follow my Instagram stories, one of my best friends whose husband actually went to TCU's, um, we were talking about how I had just posted on Instagram that TCU was going to the Cheez It Bowl. And I was like, two of my favorite things. This is perfect. I don't care how bad or good or whatever the bowl is. I love that it's Cheez It's. And she thought that I photoshopped the picture together and just like made it up. That's so funny. I, I mean, there there really are some bizarre bowl bowl games out there, but uh, the yeah the Cheese It Bowl. I, I mean, these bowl games can't be cheap to uh to produce. And right. Cheese It is really putting some money forward for this. Right. Well, I was thinking about that with some other ones. I think there's like the Belk Bowl, and Belk's a department store. Like right. That I wouldn't imagine is doing too well either. <laughs> also true. I wonder if they will be selling Cheez-Its as snacks in the game at the Cheez-It Bowl. Because I've never seen Cheez-Its in a stadium. Too. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, well, I, it, it's, uh, it's bizarre. And, you know, speaking of crazy bowl names, I, I, I'd be remiss to uh, not mention this year there is the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. This is a, an annual bowl game that is in the Bahamas. And it is sponsored this year by Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Yes, a town is sponsoring the bowl game. It's called yeah. Makers Wanted. They're trying to invite, like, they're trying to, uh, you know, bring in more innovators to their town and kind of start, like, creating some fanfare for this kind of relatively small town. It's, it's uh, the village's marketing slogan, and they're hoping <laughs> it'll bring businesses in to their town. Yeah, so, you know, okay. you know if, if if, if, if you and some of your friends want to start pitching in or uh, create a uh, uh, yeah, how much would a capital couple bowl game be? Yeah. There we go. How to pretend to like sport, sports District of Columbia bowl game 2019. Let's get it on the list. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, it, like these budgets, like I can't imagine. Yeah, well, and I and it, and it's and it's so funny. Like watching the games, most of these bowl games. Two is two teams having that are playing in you know hundreds of miles away from either of their hometowns. Right. And so the bowls are you know a quarter filled at best, but the TV ratings skyrocket for all of these. So the the money yeah. is being brought in. The advertisers love it, but it's I don't know. It's just a bizarre situation. 
Well, and it's interesting that like a lot of the bowl games are half empty and then the playoff games, I mean, you know, yeah. I was obviously interested in seeing how much it would cost to go support the Clemson Tigers. And it's, it's ridiculously expensive because by the time they make the announcements, it's a last minute flight. There's not as many hotel rooms available. Mm-hmm. The tickets are insane. And I know a lot of people that have started buying at the beginning of the year, just having hope for their team. And then, you know, I guess you either just out some money or you try to sell your room to somebody else who can go. But I, right. I never want to jinx my team by making that kind of presumption and assumption up front. Even though I am confident in the Tigers, I feel like I'll jinx them almost. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I guess you can always count on, you know, it's going to get sold. The tickets are going to get sold. But Just like still, your flight, your flight you. or yeah. something. It, well, it's, it's You're right. For, for example. Especially because uh, it's the holidays. It's New Year's. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's the time. holidays. And, uh, for example, three three years ago, Taylor and I went to the Clemson playoff game against – oh, they played Oklahoma then, actually. Uh, Clemson played Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl in Miami. We went. We flew down for the game and stayed around for New Year's. Clemson won that game, but all of a sudden, all these Clemson fans were that were wanting to go, you know, support their team in the college football championship. <laughs> it was two weeks away, and they had to find a flight to Tempe, Arizona, for the Fiesta Bowl, oh, where the championship right. was going to be played. Right. So if you go to, if yeah. you're like a really committed fan and you want to go to both the playoff and the national championship, if you get in, that's a lot of dough to drop in like two week period. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're so right. I didn't even think of it that way. Well, and then you have to like say, all right, I hope my team wins and goes to the national championship. So I'm going to bounce uh, and not go to the playoff uh, playoff game and hold out for the national championship. And then if that doesn't work out, you know, you don't get to go to either. I remember we did that same kind of calculation the past couple of yeah. years. But, uh, but you know, on, on the other hand, you have spoiled teams like Alabama who I don't know you how their know. fans support it. If you're a diehard uh, Alabama football fan, you know, good for you because you're winning a lot. But how, do you, how are you making it to all of these bowl games? I don't know. I mean, it's – well, think about it. It's They live and breathe it. That's where their money's going. They're not sure. paying D.C. rent. <laughs> very, very true yeah I, I i would say a, a one-bedroom apartment in tuscaloosa is probably a little <laughs> bit more affordable and food everything yeah but uh, but, so... but you know speaking of alabama they're playing in the orange bowl in miami this year against oklahoma are, are you excited to have oklahoma in there representing your conference i am i am um i was actually talking to a friend who um, she was, she did not want Oklahoma to win. Her husband's a big Texas fan. So obviously they wanted to win that Texas sure, game, sure. but I was telling her, like, it's good for us to have someone from the big 12 in there because first of all, big 12 always gets a lot of crap. So, and so I was talking to an Oklahoma fan actually, and he was saying how he thought that Oklahoma should just be in the SEC. Which I everybody think, just wants into the SEC. It's, it's, well, that's what I. That's what I said. I said that's what A and M said. That's what Mizzou said. Um, didn't turn out super great for them. I mean, whatever. But yeah, I just hate that argument of like we're good, so we should be in the SEC. I think that's a little silly. So yeah, I well, am I, glad I mean, that there is a Big Twelve team in it. I mean, I mean, you 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 guys are are looking all right, and Oklahoma is really repping the conference well, and Texas. I mean. I I think there's a good argument that uh the the big what, what are you all the Big Ten 
12. Our Big 12, sorry, sorry. Yeah. The Big 12, uh, that there's a good argument that you're the, you know, in my opinion, the second best conference in, uh, in uh, college football behind the SEC. But you're really yeah. representing, and you got Oklahoma, who this is two Who has years. lost a game, by the way. You what? Know, they, who has lost a game this season. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, a one-loss team, that's – usually there's going to be multiple one-loss teams in the, in the playoffs. Right. Uh, but o- Oklahoma is looking well. They represented well last year. They barely lost to Georgia in the semifinals. Uh, and on top of that, kind of bringing it into the next uh, subject, this is the second straight year that the Oklahoma Sooners are uh, repping the Heisman Trophy winner on their team. Right, which is something really interesting to talk about. Um, before we dive into that, I do, before we get into, like, Oklahoma's really good, I need, for my moral sanity, need to just throw out that before Oklahoma won the Big 12 championships back-to-back now, I think, four times. TCU was the last one to win before <laughs> Oklahoma went on this break. So then now we can, <laughs> now we can hey, start. So, 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 so maybe you do want an Oklahoma out so you can get back on top, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Last year when we played Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, so we lost to Oklahoma. They were the only team we kept losing to last year, and that was rough, but – Anyway, so Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray, quarterback for Oklahoma, he won. So he won it. They announced that, what, last week? Uh, Two weeks ago? I think it was two weekends ago, maybe. One or two weekends ago. Uh, Yeah. And, and, you know, fun fact, he beat out uh, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, who is the quarterback for Alabama. So, you know, in the the, uh, playoff game, they're going to be matching up against one another, which is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah. So didn't go well for Tua. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched ESPN did a special about Tua and um, kind of his family's commitment to his success is a nice way to put it. Um, and it was about how hard his parents were on him his whole life. And it was honestly a little scary. Oh no. Um, I came from like, you know, I grew up, doing competition dance and pageants and we practiced like 20 hours a week and we had dance moms who were really into it like Mm -hmm. but this was a whole new level of like his dad's like if there was an interception it was not a good night for him and I'm like (laughs) this is frightening he was like a senior in high school and his dad was spanking him with a belt (laughs) no and he's like when it was time to choose a college well really it was my dad's decision and I'm like I'm surprised that they didn't cut this stuff out before they aired this I was just gonna say that like some of that's ooh. yeah I think they mentioned beating him with a bible and a belt yeah yeah that's Hey. So, um, any, anyhow, I'm sure that not winning the Heisman was not a great time for him but, for multiple reasons. Football oh is a beautiful gosh. sport, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but it, it's going to be an, an inter, a, a fascinating matchup between them and the Orange Bowl. But the really cool, the more important topic that I think we're getting into now is Kyler Murray. You know, all year, Tua was the favorite. Kyler Murray mm-hmm. came on strong in the last few games and ended up surprising a lot of people by winning the Heisman. But, Why would you say it was a surprise? Uh, I mean, a lot of people are saying that this Alabama team is one of the best football teams of all time, and they were right. led by by Tua Tagovailoa, who put up some of the some insane numbers. And the the really crazy part is, for the first three quarters of the season, 
Tua was the, high, the odds-on Heisman favorite, and he was only playing three quarters a game. Alabama was beating every other team so badly that they were sitting Tua for the final quarter and letting their backup Jalen Hurts come in mm-hmm. and finish out these games. So not only was he putting up these big numbers, but people were – the argument was kind of, well, he's putting up big numbers and not even really having to try. But that right. kind of came back to bite him in the ass because in the uh, SEC championship game, Jalen uh, Tua got hurt. Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts came in and led a game-winning drive. <laughs> yeah. and, and so people all of a sudden were like, well – maybe this wasn't all Tua all along and any quarterback could have been put into this system. But Kyler Murray has really, I mean, he's just an all-around great player. If you remember Baker Mayfield last year, also (laughs) Oklahoma quarterback, they have a very similar play style. They're both slightly undersized, very mobile quarterbacks that just can, I mean, they put up numbers all across the field and are super impressive. So it's not, it's not as, I mean, he certainly deserved it, but the, as far as the betting lines went throughout the season, to uh, Kyler kind of came from uh, behind to win it. Right. And just to break down what the Heisman Trophy is for someone who doesn't know, it's an award. It's kind of like the MVP award, right? Cor- correct. The, it's the it's the best player in college football. Right. And you know, a lot of people say that there's a there's bias to that because it usually goes to the to a quarterback. But, I mean, that happens in the NFL as well. The MVP award typically goes to a quarterback as well. It's not 100%, but that's usually what you're going to see. But but the reason for bringing all of this up is, you know, I, I feel really bad for Kyler Murray in a sense because you have to face some really difficult decisions when you're one of the most physically gifted human beings on the planet. And that's what we have with Kyler Murray because after he plays in the college football playoffs this year, whether or not they beat – Uh, Bama and move on to the championship and win or lose there when those are over most people expect that that will be Kyler Murray's final college football game and you think to yourself well okay that makes sense he's probably going to go into the NFL right Mm -hmm. Uh, wrong because a couple of months ago Kyler Murray the same Kyler Murray was drafted number nine overall to the Oakland Athletics in the major league baseball draft that's right (laughs) Not only did Kyle, is Kyler Murray the best player in all of college football, he's also widely regarded as one of the best players in college baseball as well and mm-hmm. has a bright future there. When he finishes the, with college football this year, in February, he is expected to report to spring training camp with the Oakland Athletics and begin his professional baseball career. How insane is that? It's so interesting to me because, I mean – how does one choose, like, has he said what made him choose one over the other? Or is it kind of like a logic thing, like maybe he wouldn't get drafted well in the NFL and then end up not really even ever playing, yeah, and yeah, he knows he'll actually play if he's in baseball? Or what's the thought process there? There's a couple of theories, right? Well, yeah, well, so uh, there, there, there's, a, there's a lot going on there. I mean, at, he he initially – committed to baseball and that's why he got drafted so highly because because before this college football season started he yeah it was already done even no no one expected Kyler Murray to be this good and that's what part of why okay that that's why that's why you know him winning the Heisman was kind of a surprise I mean he wasn't this no-name athlete he was he was known 
but mm-hmm. no one expected that Kyler Murray was going to come step in for the last Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield, and just things were going to keep running full steam as they did. But there's two other things, right, which is that um, you were saying, you were telling me that the injury rates, right, and the impact on your health from playing professional football versus professional baseball is very different. And this, as Ethan put it, could be an indictment for the NFL. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 it certainly can be. But, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's a difficult position to be in because before the draft, he had to kind of make this commitment to baseball. And they, and they knew that he was going to move forward with, with his football career, at least on the collegiate level. But they said, okay, you can play this one last year of football, see how it goes, but then we're expecting you to come uh, join us in the spring. And when he's when he signed with them, he received a four point six million dollar signing bonus. Yeah. He's in this very difficult position now because in February, if he shows up for spring training, he's a he's essentially giving up on his football future and starting his professional baseball career, but he's going to be starting it with a $4.6 million check in his pocket. If on the other hand, he decides that he wants to go into, he says, thanks for the offer, but you know what? I'm now seeing how good I can be at football. I'm going to have to respectfully decline and go enter the NFL draft. He has to give back that $4.6 million signing bonus. He does not get to keep that. Right. Which is, which is kind of, he hasn't gotten it yet though. Right. Um, So because so, well, he can't because he's he's been a college athlete he wouldn't be able to ex- take that so, ca- cash that check yet right right i he i i think i think you're right on that the 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 baseball rules are a little bit different i'm not 100 percent sure but i think that that check is, a, is essentially sitting in escrow so right that's what goes, i would assume if he goes to the training camp it activates if he doesn't it's removed because um, okay. I wouldn't think like he's off if he's already spent that yet. Right, exactly. And and if and even if he had, he would be he would have to recoup that money before. Uh, and that would be the, the stressful part. That would. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. If it, it's like an uncashed check, then it's like it never happened. But yeah, if if the, that four mil got spent already, that's a little stressful. Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. But uh, but but the but you know the the. The next catch with all of this, though, is even though he just won the Heisman Trophy, most people believe that if Kyler Murray were to go into the NFL draft, he would be at best a mid to late first round pick. So, yeah. so that that you know kind of adds to the stress of all of this because is it really worth giving up this guaranteed money in baseball and uh, the bright future that he has there to be a mid to late first round pick at best um i mean he's proven his is there a team that could like really use him like a nfl team that could really use someone like him right now or i I mean he's one of so many you you know 80 percent of the teams in the nfl are looking for their next franchise quarterback and kyler murray certainly could be that but i mean there's a lot more question marks that come with that and that kind of gets into you know there's there's more immediate chance or there's more immediate chance of success in the NFL though. Nonetheless, even if he has to go in and be a backup for a few years. Well, that's yeah. I mean, Mahomes he 
was back up for one year and then started the next year. Right. And look exactly. At him now. exactly. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of people think that that's what could happen with, with Murray. But, and on the other hand, like, I mean, you look at baseball, you, once you get drafted into major league baseball, you don't immediately, immediately become a major league baseball player. You have to work, you have to work your way through the Mm -hmm. minor leagues, which can take up to seven years. Yeah. Well, there's, there's risks in both, right? So you work your way up through the minor leagues and who knows if you ever make it, right? What's your performance like? Or like you were just saying, he gets drafted to be kind of the up and coming quarterback for a team. And before his time comes, they draft somebody who's better and he never really gets his chance. Or maybe he ends up not performing well in the NFL, or maybe he gets lucky and he's like, I mean, Lamar Jackson was a prior Heisman yeah. winner drafted. You said right at the end of the first mm-hmm. round and yeah. is doing fairly well in his first, second year. Second. First year. First year. Is, is it really? Um, oh my but God. The, it, it's a gamble either way. But didn't you tell me, Ethan, that earning potential is higher in the MLB? Um. Yeah. Kind of. So is it? So uh, surprisingly, yes. Uh, well, yes and no. If you get if you reach those superstar heights in Major League Baseball, you can actually make way more money. In the, in Major League Baseball, teams don't have the salary cap that NFL teams have to worry about. And there's also the fact that, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to this in a second. But I mean, he's going to be a quarterback. Quarterbacks can make a lot of money, but mm-hmm. he's got to prove that he can actually be one of those like top 10 quarterbacks in the league, which there's no guarantee to. But right. the further the further thing that kind of goes into the potential is assuming that he does live up to the hype in baseball, maybe not be, you know, one of the all-time greats, but be a very good baseball player. He could play well into his mid to late thirties, if not beyond. And there's a much higher guarantee of an extended professional future. Whereas the elephant in the room with all of this, and as Taylor kind of hinted to earlier, if he goes into NFL, I mean, he could tear his ACL, get a few concussions, and be out of the league in three years. There's, I mean, there's real risk to that. And that's what is so kind of fascinating with all of this and will play, I think, likely a big part of his decision is whether or not he's willing to risk those injury factors uh, in making that transition to the NFL rather than the MLB. Yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense. So y'all, I mean, would you would everyone just be like super shocked if he decides to not go through with the MLB thing? No, I don't no. think so. Uh I mean, it you know, it's at the end of the day we make all of this big hype and fuss with it. <laughs> But, I mean, it's a really good position for him to be in. Hmm, do I want to go be, you know, one of the most promising young baseball players? Or do I want to go yeah. be one of the most promising young football players? Yeah. Does well, it, do you think it like... ever comes down to what sport he enjoys more? Uh, sure. I'm sure that that, do you sure think, that definitely – so? I, I think that that definitely plays a, a, a large role of what he wants to do. Or, or at the very least, I hope it does because you want to, you know – like what you do, do what you like, uh, as, as it goes. But uh, but can we just focus a little more on how insane it is to be that <laughs> athletically skilled and talented? Like most people in their life will never have the opportunity to professionally play 
one sport. So to be good enough to have uh, two options yeah. is just is insane. And um, Ethan and I were talking prior to the podcast about the small handful of other athletes that have, have been able to play professionally in more than one sport. And it's not a huge group and they're, they're like star names, it, Michael Jordan, it, it is, it John is a, Elway, John, yeah, so Tim Tebow. It is, it mm-hmm. is a very small, uh, um, uh, club of professional two sport athletes, which is becoming more and more difficult in today's day and age because of the pressures that are put on professional athletes to devote their entire time yeah. to that one sport. But over the years, the, the most notable name is a guy named Bo Jackson. He's, mm-hmm. he's widely considered the best two sport athlete in history. Um, Bo Jackson was the number one overall pick back in the eighties. Yeah. Back in the eighties to uh, the Los Angeles Raiders at the time, he was a hell of a player. He was an all-star NFL player. That uh, um, shortly after, he was also a second round pick to the Kansas City Royals, mm-hmm. uh, where he was also an all star. So yep. he's the only player in history to be uh, voted into the all star game in two separate sports, which just blows my mind, but just is a, you know, an honor uh, or a memoriam to what, how insane of an athlete he was. Some of the other big names, you know, usually the, the, the two sports that you see are football and baseball. Right. And you, have, and you have John Elway is a notable name. He was also a number one overall pick in the NFL draft and a second round pick in the MLB draft. Uh, Tim Tebow is trying now to make a transition <laughs> into baseball. Uh, you know, the jury's still out, out on that. He doesn't look <laughs> like he'll ever play in the majors. But right. Kyler Murray, interestingly enough, if he does go into the NFL – draft and he's drafted in the first round he will be the first ever player to be drafted in the first round of two professional sport drafts it's crazy yeah so my my question is if is there a path that okay what's the right way to say this do one of the paths not necessarily prevent pursuing the other sport later on like if he goes with baseball mm-hmm. I imagine football's out of the picture if he goes with football couldn't he always go to baseball later like some other professional athletes have like uh, yeah you know that's that, that's a good question and I, I I think the chances are that if you're right if he chooses baseball now he likely will never go into football I mean I, I don't think that it's like uh, the final nail in the coffin, but it's very unlikely that he would then transition back into football. But if he does go the football route now, you're, you're definitely right. Maybe it doesn't work out for him three, four, five years down the road, and he could definitely pick back up his, his uh, baseball career. I don't know. I'm sure there would be a lot of complicated uh, issues with that, but I, th- I think in theory that could happen. Yeah, I think like that makes sense. sense. That way you keep more options on the mm-hmm. table. Yeah. That's always my preference. Do whatever. Same. I know. I'm like, Taylor, this is, the, this is the decision. This should be it. <laughs> this makes right. so much sense. <laughs> right. What's the, um, is the average age of a baseball, of an MLB player and an average age of an NFL player any different? Do we know if it's. Well, no, I bet well, it's well, like, I mean, probably like a five to eight year difference, right? Uh. I, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I can only imagine, and that kind of goes back into the injury discussion. 
the the overall shelf life of a foot of a professional football player is much shorter than that of a of a baseball player uh okay i'm looking it up because i'm curious to see if yeah. he could be older and successful in one or the other so just as just on espn average age uh i okay it's saying 25.2 years old for nfl let me just make sure this is okay this is right sorry okay yep yeah, I can, so on I espn um, average age for NFL, oh, sorry, 26.6 years old. Average age for MLB, 29.2 years old. Okay, cool. So less than a three-year difference, but so you could okay. go into baseball at an older age. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, actually, that's actually a great point. See, I, this I, is how I break things down. I, the numbers, <laughs> the logic. You know, I, Ethan's I, like, whichever one he likes better, follow your heart. I, 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 I know Kyler's out there listening to this right now, so Absolutely. you're welcome for making that decision. Yeah, call us with any follow-up questions, Kyler. Yeah, <laughs> we got you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so is there, I mean, is there anything else that we need to cover when it comes to college football right now? Or is this a good point to transition into college basketball being back? I think as long as we end this discussion with Go Tigers, um, <laughs> we are good for to move on to basketball. Go, go Tigers and go and, uh, and go to the Horn Frogs as well. Yeah, yeah, we, we we got this. Actually, we usually win our bowl games, so that's good. Oh, the, the, good the, one, the one other thing that I that I did want to uh, to kind of mention real quick is. Uh, and, and this kind of plays into the pros and cons that we were discussing last podcast about the new playoff system. Mm-hmm. And that is that now that there are more teams that are being put into the playoffs and basically giving a chance to play in, in meaningful football games, the other bowl games are really su- – I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. They're suffering in an – in a sense, because a lot of big name players are no longer seeing any incentive in playing in their bowl games. Yes, uh, I do and, think that uh, that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And like, uh, for example, what you know, one of the the biggest names this year is um, uh, Will Greer. He was the mm-hmm. quarterback for West Virginia, yep. and was a, and was a Heisman candidate. He's playing this year in uh, or the West Virginia made it to the uh, Camping World Bowl in Orlando this year where they were they're going to be playing Syracuse you know when these team when these games are being made they're they're the bowl game and their team is being decided based off of their the, the team's performance throughout the year yeah West Virginia was a pretty respectable team I don't remember where they finished in the rankings but they were ranked. Oh, no. they, were yeah. good, they were they were a good team they were uh, they were one of the better teams in the big 12 yeah right right and uh and they got put into this relatively notable big game against Syracuse. And then a couple, and then a week or two ago, Will Greer said, you know what? Thanks for the offer, but I don't see any reason to play in this game. I'm declaring for the NFL draft. Which I'm so not surprised he did that. I, he gives me vibes. He would do something like that. Yeah. And and we, this is not the first. But it makes me mad because you're still a part of a team. Yeah. Exactly. This is this is not the first year we've had this conversation. The past couple of years, we've seen this trend of more players saying, I don't care about the bowl game and I care about my career, my NFL prospects. I don't want to get injured or something, right, when it's unnecessary. And 
yeah, well, that's better for you. You're putting me before we, you're part of a team that you've made a commitment to. Um, and it's not just about you. It's about your, your fans and your team. Well, I, I think to a degree it, it speaks to uh, your commitment to the team. But at the same time, I, pers- I can't blame the guy because is it really worth risking injury in one last game that truthfully means nothing to, no, to I, and, and losing your, your professional future or at least you may, you know, maybe falling in the rankings. Will Greer was at a position at a point where he had was a Heisman candidate. He had proved all that he needed to. I mean, he's probably not a first round draft pick, but he'll definitely get drafted in a middle round. But as an but NFL coach, don't you like look you at want that to as, see a leader, like right? True. Someone who's you committed, committed to their team. To team. It's like that. I think that that says yes, great. You made an accurate risk assessment, but it shows that, like, that shows your character that you're not mm-hmm. a team player. And as an NFL coach, I don't want to bring you on to pull a um, who's the player we talked about in the last episode that's basically waiting out their contract, Levy and Bell. Yeah. yeah. Bell. I don't want to bring a Levy and Bell into my team because that is indicative that that's going to be your kind of behavior. That's a great exactly. Point. Put me before exactly. me. Exactly. And then you've invested money in a player who's going to sit on the bench. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I think it's a bad, I think it looks bad. I think it, yes, there's so many talented people out there that in a way, like one way you can, you know, prove yourself is by like also adding good character. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That, that's, right? that's a great like, point. That just because, adds because... to the resume. And the kind of thing that doesn't show up in your stats. You have very few yeah. opportunities to show your character and that's yeah. one of them. A hundred percent. I just, the, so y'all know his like brother's like some social media star, right? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I saw that recently. You and know, his wife that, is that, also like some Instagram person. I don't know. I, I just, I, yeah, I, uh, I saw, I, I, I don't remember the specifics, but there was a, uh, on, one, on a college game day, they had a feature about his family and, uh, yeah, his brother, I think he's a famous YouTuber. Yeah. Um, uh, like Vine or YouTube or one of those things, yeah. Right. Is Vine still around? It's not. They all oh. moved over to YouTube. Apparently, that's what killed Vine is that they all moved over to YouTube. <laughs> I I actually knew um a, a friend who she was like I guess famous on Vine, and she said a bunch of her other fellow like famous Viners I don't know what you call them had not <laughs> had not cross pollinated had not encouraged their followers to follow them on other forms of social media and when Vine shut down like overnight they went from making six figures to having no income because they were full-time <gasps> on Vine no it was a massacre and this is why we have multiple <laughs> we we have Instagram and we have our websites <laughs> right that's why people say it's so important to invest in your website and not just Instagram yeah Oh man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ugh. Side note, but also just a little PSA for everyone. Don't put all your eggs in one social media basket. <laughs> um, okay. Well, okay. So then on that note, I mean, it is kind of sad that college football is coming to an end. I know for me, like, I, it's my favorite. I don't know why. I think maybe it's the combination of like being a girl and loving fall. And then this is also something that comes with it. But basketball season is, I mean, it's technically started. Conference play hasn't. So it's not like we can get too much into it. But what are, let's talk about like just some things to look 
out for as we go into January when things are really going to get real? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I too prefer college football over college basketball, but I'm, I'm also a diehard NBA fan and basketball generally. And this year I'm in a weird position where coming from a perennial football school in Tennessee, Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, our football team sucks. Well, we've sucked for a little while, but our college basketball team is really good. We are currently ranked number three in the nation and yeah. have played some very impressive ball throughout the uh, early part of the season. So, the, And know, the only team y'all have lost to is KU, which, so that really is fine. It, <laughs> like, exactly. So we've only lost to Kansas, who is number one in the country right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to say that uh, we're the odds-on favorites to to uh, win March Madness this year, but I'm not going to not say that either. So. I mean, it's early. Ethan's <laughs> <laughs> like, like getting really excited that Timothy I mean, is good at it's a never, sport. It's never okay. too early for a hot take. I mean, fine. Like, TCU. <laughs> I mean, but, like, I get it because TCU last year was, like, for the first time since the 80s in the top 25 for a solid amount of time. We got to the tournament for the first time since the coach was a player for TC. (laughs) (laughs) So I get it. I get it. But, but, you know, you know, by, by the time that, by the time you get to March madness, everything's out the window. And it's true. That's why it's it's March madness. And you know, you know, this year, this is a conversation for another day, but uh, we, we definitely have to have a, uh, how to pretend to like sports bracket challenge. Oh my God. Yes. Well, we'll have to like do a whole thing for it. Oh, oh absolutely. We, de- we definitely will. Um, but to, to keep talking, to bring up one other thing, college basketball related for now, uh, even though it's early season and even though football is still going on, if you ever scroll past a college basketball game and you see that Duke is playing now, I'm not a big Duke fan, but there's mm-hmm. this kid named Zion Williamson that mm-hmm. you're doing yourself a dis- an, an injustice if you do not turn on that game and watch every second that that kid is on the floor because he is a behemoth. He moves like a ballerina and, you know, might be the best player since LeBron James. I'm going to go ahead and say he is just insatiable. Wow, you just gave LeBron James a compliment. Uh, I I say it with a heavy heart, but this kid is really fun to watch. Well, I remember last year it being a really big deal to see what team he ended up signing with. Yeah, Um, and uh, and and it was it was pretty shocking because everyone expected him to sign with either South Carolina or Clemson, and last minute he decided to switch his commitment to Duke. And Duke has this insanely uh, stacked team this year. Three of the four best high school prospects all signed with Duke. Zion Williamson, uh, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett. They're three of the best four players in college basketball and arguably the top three players in this year's NBA draft, and they all play for the same team. So you really, if, if you care anything about basketball, you're missing out if you're not watching Duke games. All right. Good to know, because I was not <laughs> planning on watching any Duke games that if I didn't have to. Homework assignment. <laughs> yes, but I, I actually like that. I like having be like, okay, here's here's someone to watch. Here's someone to keep an eye on. So the other teams, I mean, I've grown up watching KU football or KU football. No, definitely not KU basketball. Um, so 
that's what I'll be watching. As far as the other top teams right now, you you mentioned Tennessee is a top five team right now. Um, Michigan, right? Michigan's usually uh, there, right? Yeah, yeah. You got um one, one second. I'm trying to pull up. Yeah, so so right now the top five is Kansas, Duke, Tennessee, Michigan, and Virginia. So, you know, Tennessee's really the only surprise out of that group. Yeah. A lot of people didn't see them moving up the rankings so quickly. But uh, I, but for the rest, I have the rest slash- of it. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, for the rest of it, it's kind of perennial powerhouses that you have in there. Because with college basketball, you, there are basically two types of teams or two types of good teams. You have teams like Duke and Kentucky mm-hmm. that have um, young really teams. young teams that are all of these what are called one and dones. Which yep. This uh, is players, my players... favorite college basketball topic ever. I could talk hours on my theories on these two different types of teams. Oh, but... absolutely. Well, we'll have to do a, a full basketball podcast. But just for the overview for now, you got the one and done teams like Duke and Kentucky, which are just getting by on pure talent. And then you, on the other side, you have teams like Virginia, Gonzaga, Villanova, who won last year, who don't have this top-tier talent, but they have a lot of juniors and seniors, which chemistry is so important and oftentimes underrated in basketball because mm-hmm. they don't have this top-tier talent, but they put, play this team game on such a higher level. They know where each other are on the floor at all times. Which and- – you could say, like, last year, remember Loyola Chicago? Like, yeah. that was their advantage is that, I mean, two of those players had played together since high school or elementary school or something. They were from Yeah, Kingston. exactly. Um, but, yeah, so, like, it's, like, maturity chemistry versus, like, superstar. Exactly, exactly. And that's why it's, it's so much fun to watch. And, actually, early in the season, uh, Duke played Gonzaga, which is basically the, the – you know, the quintessential matchup of these two different types of teams. Mm-hmm. And it was early, it was early on and Duke and everyone was saying this Duke team, nobody could possibly beat them. Look at all of these, look at Zion Williamson. He's a, he's a man among boys out there. And Gonzaga came in with this, you know, veteran savvy old school team of a bunch of juniors and seniors and stomped them into the ground. And Duke just looked lost at moments because they were looking around They They're used to be able to play from ahead and, you know, any one of these guys just takes over. And when all of a sudden they're like, wait, what's, uh, what's my teammate over here? How can I get him more involved? They don't really have that kind of chemistry yet to be able to move forward. And Gonzaga went out and beat them. Right. I mean, that's pretty, I think that's pretty cool. And when that happens, because I personally like the whole, these guys have been playing together for four years. Like they've, I don't know. I like the story behind it. This oh, yeah, is like I, the girl. Absolutely. Again, I think this is like the girl in me. Like sometimes I, I feel like, I don't know, the one and done teams, it's like, okay, great. They're just here for a year to kind of like grow up a little. Cause I mean, exactly, 18. exactly. But I don't know. I always think it's really interesting when a team that isn't made up of all superstars and prodigies can really hold their own. Exactly. And that's what makes March Madness so much fun. You have these Cinderella teams uh, like the Loyola Chicago's, the Wichita States of the world. And it's, it's, it's why I love college basketball almost as much as college football. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Totally. Okay. So we have one more piece of current events here and that is sports gambling. So this is something that I feel like most of my guy friends all do, but I really don't know much about it. So, but the laws are changing. I know that much to be true, right? Right. So So, um, er earlier this year, the Supreme Court actually passed a, a, a ruling that um, struck down this, you know, this age-old rule that uh, um, that basically banned sports betting. And now uh, states are one by one starting to legalize sports gambling within various cities and statewide. You know, it used to only be Nevada that, uh, you know, you, if you wanted to go bet on sports, you had to go out to Vegas or else you were going to be betting through some sketchy online European uh, website, European website. But now states are slowly starting to pick it up. And the biggest news of the moment is that earlier this week, Washington, DC, their city council passed a rule legalizing sports gambling within the district of Columbia. Now on, on its face, that's not necessarily, I mean, uh, several states have done it. I think, as of right now, Nevada, Arkansas, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Delaware, and New Jersey have all, to varying degrees, legalized sports gambling. But mm-hmm. D.C. is uh, now the first state that has not only legalized sports gambling within, like, restaurants and bars and, like, online betting apps, but you can actually now uh, – as I mean, they've got to get it set up and everything, but it is now legal – for sports venues to have in-house gambling practices, meaning the next time you go to Capital One Arena to watch the Washington Wizards play, uh, they're playing the Los Angeles Lakers, and you think the Wizards are going to win, you can go at halftime and put 100 bucks on the Wizards and then go back to your seat and watch out and see how your bet plays out. Interesting. Yeah. And so it's pretty exciting. Uh, I mean, there's – there's plenty of bad that's likely going to come from that as well. I mean, right. uh, uh, gambling addictions are a real thing. I would, and- that's what I was going to say. Like, that's a thing, right? Like, it's a big deal. And to right. make it that right. and, uh, and especially I, and I when, like, you're drunk from, like, 10 beers at a game. <laughs> exactly. And, a little and, nervous. But yeah. you got to gamble responsibly. <laughs> easier said than but done but just like anything me. else like, i mean like you what, shouldn't drink and drive and people do it so right right and right. uh but there there are um I, I forget the exact numbers but uh there's something like i mean 90 or maybe maybe even 900 million dollars in revenue that are expected to come into dc through this legalization oh my and, god and but one of the things that they kind of had to do to appease some of the naysayers was uh like two percent of the revenue or maybe even less than that uh is going to have to be put towards uh gambling addiction like prevention uh programs i think that's good see i absolutely love this though because i'm a total advocate not to make your show political though but for free market (laughs) capitalism and there's a market for this people are going to do it either way so you might as well have them do it in a safer, more regulated environment than through these sketchy European sites. It's mm-hmm. a huge source of tax income, which can improve the District of Columbia. And with many behaviors that yeah. are illegal out there, there's risks. And it's up to the individual to, to do so responsibly or to take advantage of these programs that will be offered for addictions. But 
I think that oh, yeah. people were doing it anyways. So, um, you know, at least now they're doing it in kind of a, not that I'm an advocate for a ton of regulation, right. but in like a safer way, right? Yeah, through, instead of through a sketchy website. Yeah, and I, I think the moral of it for now is, you know, I think there will be a lot more updates on this in the coming uh, days and weeks, but very soon, uh, you know, next time that you're in Washington, D.C., uh, you go to a sports bar, a restaurant, or even if you're at a stadium, you can put money on the games. Start yeah. start betting the ponies a little more. Um, and kind <laughs> of a perfect place to put in some self-promotion. Next time you're in D.C., check out our blog. Yes, well, seriously. And I mean, on that note, why don't you yeah. mention where everyone can find you, um, the website, and your all's Instagram handle? All right, so we are Capital Couple. It's capital with an A, like the city, not an O, like the building. And it's capitalcouple.com or Capital Couple is our handle on every form of social media. We are most active on Amazing. Okay. Well, thank y'all so much for doing this. I love having y'all on. These have been so good. And, well, I guess we'll kick it back off after the new year. This is crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to have a recap of the uh, yes. college football playoffs. But for the time being, have a very Merry yes, Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes, time. and Happy Holidays to everybody listening. Happy New Year, and we hope to yes. see you again in 2019.